The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents... Conspiracy with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. Right. It is what it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Pilled, your favorite mostly hinged conspiracy podcast. I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me, as always, is Abby Libby. How are you doing, Abby? I'm good. How are you? I am good. I'm very excited. We are bringing on Alan Aguirre tonight, one of my favorite authors and musicians out there. Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. A little under the weather, but I'm doing good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push on through. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it's, it's not me. So I, I, if you guys <laughs> caught the episode we did with Seth Dillon... I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> PJ was so sick. Oh my I, gosh. I had so- to rewatch it the next day to remember what I said. It oh, was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I actually had to. So I took a really hot shower hoping that would just like, it didn't. But I had to remind myself, you know, I've done this before. You know, I when tour life, tour life is a. Right. Very similar. So you just have to deal with whether whether you whether you want to or not. And you have to make your bandmates deal with your you know trench foot or whatever <laughs> things things that happen on on tour. So real quick, Alan, you want to um, if the audience is not familiar with you, uh, with you, just uh, tell them a little bit about yourself. Sure, my name is Alan Guire. I'm from Burbank, California, the media capital of the world. Grew up um, well. I, I, I was doing the, the music band thing from a very young age. Uh, did that whole thing. Was about to uh, was working in a band with Don Bowles. I don't know if you guys know who that. The, the LA band called the Germs. Uh, okay. Most people remember the guitarist from the Germs, um, Pat Smear, who was in Nirvana and now in Foo Fighters. Well, their drummer and I uh, joined our band when I was fifteen. We we cut a single, um, and then so and my parents then sent me to go live to uh, with a missionary uncle in Central America under false pretenses and a one way ticket. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened to me when I was 15, uh, but I got saved, and that was, um, you know, I think that's an important thing. I would uh, say I so, still, yeah. <laughs> I still subscribe to that concept that um, you're in need of, of mes- not uh, you're, you're in need of a Messiah, but you're in need of Messiah, mm. and I believe the, the, the Messiah, of, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, and then um, started the first punk rock band in Christian music when I was 19 here in the States. Did that, spent the majority of, um, you know, just work in the industry in L.A. all throughout the 80s into the 90s. Got a, got a nice deal for that punk rock band. Took Christianity over seven years to even get to a point where you could even 
do music like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then I, still I remember, out. I remember being uh, pulled up, pulled aside by my church and told that uh, I was satanic for the music that I was doing. Uh, they didn't read the lyrics, obviously, but you know. yeah, absolutely. I've been yeah. de- uh, I've been titled satanic for not only the music I play, but but my first instrument was a drummer, so that didn't help. And uh, <laughs> and but you know what's really interesting is when you lay hands on people and, and they get healed, mm-hmm. they, they think you're a warlock. So it's uh, interesting because <laughs> you can't win with these people. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, what else? Uh, did the music thing full time, uh, you know, with record deals and all that stuff all throughout the, the 90s. And I had a couple bands, uh, Scattered Few, Spyglass Blue. Um, what else? What else? You know, I've been involved with tech and in the Internet uh, from early on and back in 97. I've owned and operated my own ad agencies, record companies, recording studios, all that. So, you know, when it comes to tech and entertainment, you know, we start. We had one of the first podcast companies in ninety in two thousand and five. I mean, on and on and on. Um, lived, moved, moved to Utah, moved from LA to Dallas back in ninety four. Literally, we waited eighteen years in Dallas uh, to move to Utah, which we did ten plus years ago. So I'm in northern Utah, and um, that was that's been that's been very interesting. But in twenty seventeen, I started writing books, and it was really funny. I was. I was talking to an old guitarist friend of mine, and he goes, so what are you up to these days? I go, well, I'm writing books. But of course you are, he said. <laughs> really, <laughs> really, that was enough, a far fetch for some people. But I write books, Well, and, and it's not just writing books, but I write on theology, apologetics, um, you know, the stuff that <laughs> who, would wants, who wants to do that? But I'm, that's what I do. So I've been doing that since 2017. So, you know, you do the, the, the speaking, you know, the, the speaking circuit and, um, I just re- I just re-released my entire catalog, remastered on uh, vinyl and CD. So that came out in February. That's like I don't know eight or nine albums. That's so that awesome. Was, that was a lot of fun. And uh, I have plans to do some new music, and I'm in the middle of a couple books. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah and I actually have a couple of your books here on my desk. I've got uh, Exodus to In Gathering Field Manual. This thing is spiritual. Uh, the feasts unlocked. I got a whole collection of good stuff to read. <laughs> And uh, I do have some questions for you that I want to ask you out, out of out of some of these books that you sent me. Sure. Uh, but and we've got a lot of stuff that I want to want to ask you about. But really quick, I just want to give a shout out to our local subscribers, people that come over and uh, chip in a, a measly five bucks to to get our extra weekly unhinged episodes. So Regina Woodley, Juan Valdez, and Answered Seder, thank you guys for coming over to locals and supporting the show. And we have another show coming tomorrow night on. Uh, rockfin.com slash conspiracy pilled r-o-k-f-i-n.com slash conspiracy pilled you can watch it live there and then if you're a paid subscriber on uh, odyssey or on locals you'll get it as soon as we can upload it we just well no with odyssey we can stream it we just can't yes. to locals yes. so locals is a great way to support us you just get it a little bit later you don't get the live experience if you come over to rockfin you get us and about 300 other creators uh, so it's kind of like a netflix subscription and there's a lot of good conspiracy stuff there so uh, really good deal. It's 15 bucks a month if you want to do that. So uh, anyway, business out of the way, business out of the way. I met Alan back in 2010 and we I were on a so. tour together. I think it was 2010. Yeah. Uh, the extreme tour. And that was, that was a good time. We met up in, um, in Nashville and then we toured, we were on the leg that toured down to Florida. So and would then, it be, would it, was Nashville, was that the objective? The objective. Yeah, that's right. So the objective, the objective is going on this weekend. Is it really? Yeah. Man, 
That would be cool to go to. That's been a long time. <laughs> Met so, a yeah, lot of good did, people there. Like, how many weeks did we spend in Florida? Oh my god! Oh man, it felt like forever. <laughs> and and I I remember getting sick because I was the guy who knew how to fix cars, and I had to fix Jared's car in that parking lot for like oh twelve gosh. hours. Oh <laughs> Ended up getting like sun poisoning, and yeah, it was fun. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> There's a there's a lot of shenanigans that went on on that tour, but uh, oh baby PJ, I was young back then. I was 19, I think. Yeah, so so it's a bit a little bit ago. Um, but anyway, I the one of the reasons that I reached out to you besides just um, loving the work that you do and just wanting to reconnect was there was a story that was told to me on the Extreme Tour uh, way back then, and I couldn't. I remember I reached out to you with like vague details about it, but I just thought it sounded like something that would be really interesting to talk about. It's, it's one of those stories that you hear it and it stays in your head for forever, and you just kind of think about it. Yeah. And it had to involve, if I if I'm correct, uh, I don't know if you call it time travel or what, but do you do you want to kind of tell the story a little bit or sure? But also, don't forget those questions on those books because I love answering questions on that stuff. Absolutely, I have some of them written down because I have terrible cool. memory. <laughs> So, so I got involved with the extreme tour back in 2003. So it's been 20 years. And one of the bands that we met on that run was actually the band that was that I remember hearing the story from. I reached out to him, but he didn't get back to me in time. But I think what I think the story occurred around 2004, 2005. Okay, so the extreme tour is a grassroots ragamuffin group of i don't know five or six bands that are and, and there's and, and the extreme tours has multiple tours going out throughout the whole u.s and so they parcel it out in regions and it's, it's each region has i'm gonna say half a dozen bands mm-hmm. and then the idea is you're working with local churches when it comes to uh Playing. So the local church would bring the tour in, set up a show, let all the disenfranchised youth know about it. You know, the kids that are hanging out at skate parks, primarily skate parks, right? skate parks, the mall, you know, stuff like that. The kids at the church pretty much have already disposed of that. Have already, you know, if they did go to youth group, they've been kicked out of youth group. They're not really dealing with them. Uh, and someone needs to deal with them. And that's really the heart of the extreme tour is to deal with the ones that, Nobody wants to deal with. And so these churches would bring this, this tour in and set up shop at the mall, a skate park, parking lots, whatever. And we would do, you know, each band would play and then someone would give uh, the gospel message. And, you know, and there's food and entertainment. And sometimes there, there's, you know, skating or BMX, you know, stuff like that. And, um, and then the bands, so you don't actually know where you're going. So if you do have an audience, and the majority of these bands don't have an audience, they've never, they might have a demo, they might have a CD, but they're, they're not like on labels. They don't actually have any sort of reach, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But even if you did, you don't actually know where you're going or you don't know what city you're going to be in. So you really can't market yourself. Right. But, you know, most of the people that are going to show up to see the bands well, they're there to skate or whatever. They're not actually coming to see a band, let alone you, if they even know that you're a band. So you're sleeping like in the churches. Uh, you know, you're, you got you got tents set up in the gym or in the youth group room, and you're you know <clears throat> sleeping bag on the floor. You're eating you know great church food or, like or a lot of salad. 
If you're John, you're just sleeping in a fold-out chair every night for some reason. <laughs> it's like, dude, John. we've got yeah. beds. <laughs> He's still around. Is he really? Man, oh, yeah. I love that guy. He's still around. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, Alaskan John would just sit there in a chair and sleep. Um, <laughs> Everywhere and you, we went. You know, you're eating spaghetti, a lot of spaghetti, a lot of yeah. salad, a lot of, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Church potluck so, food, for sure. There was... So there's this story that happened about a, a couple of years after my first run. And I heard it from one of the bands that was on the first run that I was on. Um, I can't remember the name of the band, but they were based out of Florida. But anyway, um, these these shows are, are set up as far in advance as they possibly can. It's an outreach. It's an outreach ministry. It's not like hotels and per diems and, and you know, guarantees. And so if you can get the church to give you a place to sleep and food, you're doing pretty good. You know, no one's going to get paid. You, you can sell your merch, but again, it's not like anybody's really showing up with any money and you're not going to sell a lot of merch. Right. So it's, it's kind of one of those, you know, it's a rough around the edges type of tour. And I say all that to set it up. So they had a show. I'm not even sure what state it was in, but they had a show and it fell through. So you're talking, you know, an average band is four or five guys, and you got five or six bands. That's, that's over two dozen plus people. So you've got anywhere between 25 and 30 people that now have nowhere to sleep and no food to eat. And um, so, you know, whenever if that happens, they're, 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 they're furiously on the phone, on the horn, trying to set something up. And the guy that started this all, his name's Ted. His name's Ted. Is on the phone. He's trying to make things happen. Reached out to this um, to this couple who had a, who had this a ministry. Um, reached out to them to see if hey, you know, we know it's short notice, but one of our things canceled. You know, we're not necessarily need, we're not we don't necessarily need a show because they, we can always go out into the, the 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 community. We can always just go out and you know hang out. Um, more than more than anything, you know, food lodging. And they were like, oh, yeah, no problem. We would love to have you. So they're like, wow, this is a real blessing. So they were going to be able to go to this place for two or three nights. Um, it was a little bit off the path of the, of the tour route, but something is better than nothing, especially when you got two dozen people. So they show up to this place, and what it was, uh, it was like they had acreage. Uh, they, had a, you know, they, they had their main house, and then they had a bunch of acreage, where uh, it used to be like a ranch with horses and stables and things like that. And the Lord had put it on their heart to create uh, an outreach location for pastors or traveling ministers or missionaries or youth groups, right, uh, and things like this. So if you're a person of faith and been around Christianity for any amount of time, you know what I'm talking about. It's an outreach place for youth or pastors or whatever, right? And they had like they had repurposed the horse stables into like little bungalows. There was huge fire pits, um, you know, big old barbecues. It was like a hoedown type of thing, you know. Like a, <laughs> I don't, what, what do you call that? Not a hoedown, but when like all the wrestlers will get together and they have their stakes and they're <laughs> dancing in the middle of the night, you know, all night long, banjo, right? It was like that type of. It had a cowboy vibe. Hoedown's a, a, a good word, as any I think. <laughs> What's yeah. that? I said, "Hoedown's a good word as any." Good word. 
Yeah, I and I, I and I don't want to cut you off, but I thought when I, when this story told me it was in Oregon because you said you didn't remember the state. That's I just how remember I remember state. it, but I don't know if that's <laughs> very very well could be Oregon because I know um, the tour obviously does the Northwest, but uh, the 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 tour originated in Southern uh, Idaho. Okay, and they were for a long time based out of Salem. Right. So, okay. Okay. So. So, so, you know, it's a big spread. You've got plenty of places to hang out and, you know, recreation. You know, what, what's those games with beanbags and the little, you know, you throw the beanbag. Oh, cornhole. cornhole. Oh, yeah. There's all that type of stuff. Think about a youth retreat center. It's got all that stuff going on. And, you know, I, I love the fact that the, 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 old, the stables had been converted into like little, like, rooms. Little dorms or something. Yeah, yeah. little dorms. Exactly. And then they had a big house where you could have where they had a big communal kitchen and food and barbecue and a big communal dining room, big communal living room. If you wanted to watch TV games, video games, you know, they had it was like really excellent, posh, awesome stuff. And I don't I don't care who you are or at what level of uh, a musician you are. In fact, Gary Newman, who's been on tour here in the States the last couple of months, actually wrote a post two or three days ago about tour life. Tour life is not normal, you know? No. And I don't care what level, if you're a Gary Newman with a tour bus and hotels or schlepping it in a van and a trailer, it doesn't matter. You need some sort of simulance of, of, of stability and normalcy when you're on the road for three, four, five, seven, eight weeks at a time. You know, mm. it doesn't matter how much of a rock star you are. You need some grounding. And this place had it, and it was awesome, and uh, everyone had a great time. And they were there, like I said, for two or three days. Well, the next year, <coughs> the idea is, you know, you keep a list, just like any, like a regular band or a regular tour. You're keeping a list of the places you go to so that when you're setting up your next tour, you can reach out and hopefully go back to those same cities. Because the idea is you show up to that city, uh, you make an impact, you get, you, 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 know, you get some fans or whatever, and then you come back and they tell their friends about it. And this is how you grow a network. Yeah. yeah. Basic business. So they reached out to this place. They got on the phone, called, you know, the, the, the woman answered. Because it was, it was a husband and wife that had some money, obviously, to set all this up. It was a husband and wife that had created this um, this place, this retreat center. So they call up, hi, Barbara. I'm making up names. Hi, Barbara. This is Ted from the Extreme Store. How are you? Great to talk to you. She had no idea who Ted was. And he's like, no, you know, Ted, the Extreme Tour. Clueless. She thinks this is a prank call, doesn't know what's going on. And he's like, no. Last year, gave her the dates and everything. We we were we were stuck. We were you know we needed a place to to stay a couple two or three days, and we reached out to you, and you generously opened up your retreat center and let us in. and And she's like, we don't we don't have a retreat center. He's like, what are you talking about? And started systematically detailing everything that they had. You know what was going on. You know to, just to to let her know. We were there. I'm not just a crank call. Yeah. We were literally there. Not only were we there, here's what your here's what your 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 retreat center offered 
and this is you know what it looked like and all that. And the woman starts sobbing, not weeping, not crying, but sobbing on the phone. And he's like, Oh my gosh, what did I do to upset her? And he goes, She goes, I don't know who you are or what you're doing, but we do not have a retreat center. Yes, we have acreage. And you literally just explained in, in, in absolute detail what we want to build as a retreat center, but we haven't built it yet. And he's like, no, no, we were there last year. Man, that story, I think I heard it from Ted himself the first time, and it gave me goosebumps. And I'm sure you guys listening are now feeling that like that sticks. I can see Abby's face. It's crazy, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know, I know there's people out there saying BS. No way. You know what? You can say that all you want. If you know anything about me and you don't, you don't have to know anything about me. I, I'm not a liar. I don't mess with stuff like this. I fear God. I'm like Hebrew national. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, God and the things of the spirit, and the things of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, let's not forget that little thing Jesus said. Right. That's what this looks like. And I don't play with that. I don't toy with that. That's not something I mess with. Yeah. Yeah, and I will attest to to Alan not only not being a liar, he's that guy that everybody knew as don't ask him a question unless you want the harsh truth. <laughs> that was the reputation you had on tour. Somebody came to me one time, they're like, Don't ask Alan if he likes your band. And I was like, Why not? Because he'll tell you. And I was like, Oh, okay. It's so, true. Yeah. I, I make grown men cry. <laughs> that was the that was the reputation. Yeah. But it's uh it's so interesting because we talk a lot about this idea that God doesn't exist in, in linear time the way that we do mm. and that miracles oftentimes are, I think at least him messing with time or, or, or changing things around. Well, what, what I love about it, here's the thing, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't care how bad your church experience was, your mom and dad experience was, your youth pastor experience was, your pastor experience was, you know, we all have stories. You know, God, that, that wasn't God. God's not like that. Now, men misrepresent God all day long. If you've read your Bible at all, you'll see that in the narrative. But God's not like that. He's not going to do that to you. He's a father, and he loves you. And He, when you ask him for bread, he's not going to give you stone. When you ask him for fish, he's not going to give you a snake. You know, so that's just not how he works. I know that because of religion and man, that does happen. But you can know and 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 be have that. You can have that certainty that God literally wouldn't do that to you. And so that being the case, we um, we can actually go forward in this thing with the confidence that He's not only got our back, but He's 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 gone before us to make our way straight. Right. Yeah. That is, that is amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, now, yeah. So the reason, one of the reasons why I reached out to this guy is because he said he's got pictures of the place. And I've been oh, trying to get man. my hands on these pictures for quite a while now. If you do, get a hold oh, of me. Oh, I will me. definitely. I'll send yeah. them to you. Yeah. We'll, we'll have you back on to talk about it or show them yeah. or post them in and Discord it, or something. But that would be and, really cool. And it's unfortunate that Christianity is what it is and that yeah. things of this nature aren't it's normal. It's supposed to be. This is supposed to be mm -hmm. Christianity's normal. Right. And it's unfortunately unfortunate that it's not. But 
You know? Yeah. Everything yeah. about Jesus is about this type of stuff. You know, I mean, that's how he functioned. And now, not only is that how he functioned, that's how he ordained his apostles, his disciples to function, and then to duplicate that as he went forward. So tomorrow, so I'm, I don't know to what degree you're involved with Bible stuff, but we're right now we're in the Omer count. We're in the counting of the Omer. You'll find that in Leviticus 23. The Omer count, the, the counting of the Omer ends uh, the first Sabbath after Passover, and it's a seven-week count, seven consecutive Sabbaths count, leading up to the 50th day, which is Shavuot, the day that Moses received uh, the, the Torah on Mount Sinai. It's also Pentecost. So mm -hmm. we're on day 39. Tomorrow is day 40. It's the 40th day tomorrow. That's the ascension of Jesus. So he ascended, but before he, and the reason why I bring it up is before he ascended, he opened up the minds of his disciples so that they would understand the prophets and, and the Torah, the law, so that they could go and do this thing. Because he told them, right? What, what was his charge? Go. Everything you've heard me say, everything you've seen me do, go and teach. And, and that's, the, that's the, the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah, it's important stuff. I'm glad you, you said that because there was actually a, a spot I bookmarked in uh, your book, Exodus to Ingathering. And it says, uh, let me see. Says, I know this might sound crazy to you, and I also know this is starting to make sense to some of you, and some of you can now begin to understand why Jesus. Oh no, I'm sorry, started up, started a little bit later than I meant to. It says, Jesus says that if you believe in Him, believe that He's the promised Messiah of Israel, that you will do the same works that He has done, and you will do the same miracles, the same signs and wonders. In fact, Jesus says that you will do greater signs and wonders, <clears throat> works and miracles than He did, because He's going to be, because He's going to the Father. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I it, it's funny because I was reading this a few weeks ago, and I brought up that concept while we were talking. I think we we're just talking to the audience in the show as we do. And, we, and at some point, if you guys are new to the show, uh, we will end this and just go over to the people who are watching live on Rumble or an Odyssey and just kind of chat with you guys for a bit. But I was wondering if you could explain that concept because one of the things that we talk about a lot is this idea that. I think that the church has, has become very spiritually dead. It's, it's like they don't believe in the miracles. They don't believe yeah. that anything still happens. And, and in fact, I think that spirituality has been written out of Christianity over the last few hundred years. And, and yeah, it's a it's shame. A, it's a philosophy and a morality play. Yeah. It, it's a, it's what, did, what did Paul say? A, a form of godliness that denies the power. It doesn't have mm. any power. It doesn't have any spiritual authority. Mm. Um, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's always been like that. They've, they, I mean, I've spent the last seven years, because of the, the types of books I'm writing, I've spent literally the last six or seven years in Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, you know, and it's, you see, this has been a problem since the very beginning. It's just mm -hmm. humanity. But we're on this side of Calvary. We're on this side of Golgotha. We're on this side of Pentecost. We literally have no excuse, you know. But Jesus said, these are the signs that will follow my disciples. They will speak in tongues, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. If your faith profile is lacking those characteristics or those signs or those attributes, you need to reevaluate your faith profile because those are the red letters. That's what Jesus said. Now, Christianity says, oh, yeah, that's not for today. That, that was only, Jesus only instituted that 
so they could grow the church. But after the growth, the church was grown, or after they grew the church, they stopped doing that. God stopped doing that. It never says that. Mm-hmm. You just made that up. <laughs> yeah. Now, right. You know, this is what they teach in seminary. This is what they're teaching their pastors, and this is what their pastors are propagating, and they've been propagating this for 1,800 years. I'm going to go with the narrative. I'm going to go with the biblical narrative because once you start saying this isn't God anymore, mm-hmm. where's our who, who's our arbitrator? Who is who's the one to say yay or nay on any of this stuff? Because you, you have to remember, the only reason denominations exist is this denomination doesn't believe what this denomination believes, and vice mm-hmm. versa. That's right. what makes the denomination lack of a belief in the biblical or scriptural narrative. Well, if you watch any of our we you know any of our live streams, you'll hear you'll you'll hear me say every once in a while how Christianity is a cult. Here's a definition of a cult based on Christianity. Christianity's definition of a cult is any group or sect that says they're they're a believer in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the Bible, but don't do any of it. Mm. I live in Utah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I just, I just, I just described Christianity. Christianity, not only does Christianity teach that the old, that the old Testament, the Tanakh is irrelevant to Gentile born again Christians. Hmm. Right. But they also don't believe 65% of the new Testament. Right. So now what? Well, now we're, all, we're, we're basically screwed. Because if we're not even believing whole chunks of the New Testament, what chunks are you talking about, Alan? Speaking in tongues, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, that sin is defined as breaking the law. They don't believe that you're supposed to keep the law. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul spends two chapters explaining prophecy and speaking in tongues. No one does that. Well, the majority don't do that. I, of course, mm-hmm. have been around, I've been around charismatic in my entire faith. Well, mm-hmm. so. But I've been around Christians for forty plus years. Um, they don't do. They don't believe this stuff. You know, um, they don't have power and authority. They don't. Na- they don't have the power or the authority of the anointing to cast demons out or to ra- raise the dead or to battle demonic forces. How in the hell are we going to accomplish Ephesians six? What does Ephesians 6 say? That we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against ruling powers of cosmic darkness. Right. I would read read Ephesians 6, that section, and every translation you can get a hold of. And if you go to BibleStudyTools.com, you, can, you have access to every translation available. And look at the words they're using. Cosmic, ruling powers of cosmic darkness. You don't believe in speaking in tongues, but you're somehow going to take on ruling powers of cosmic darkness and succeed? That's that's fair, because that's tongues is the language of angels, right? Yeah. And the you're are you so I grew up Baptist. I grew up being taught that that was wrong, even as a missionary kid, um, in in that like deep spiritual warfare of West Africa with animism and witch doctors and all this stuff. There was still this idea that we don't talk about these miracles and spiritual things. It's danger, danger, danger. But 
It's like walking down Detroit, uh, eight mile in Detroit without packing heat, you know, like you're just going out there unarmed. One thing we always said was like, what's the point of speaking in the language of angels to humans? Yeah. What's, what is the point of it? So speaking in tongues is like the gateway gift. Okay. You know how they say pots, the gateway drug. Mm-hmm. It opens up the, the everything else. Same thing. That's what t- that's what tongues is. It's the gateway gift. I have never. I've been doing this for forty three years. I have never met anybody that can heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, prophesy, interpret dreams, whatever. That didn't speak tongues. Everybody I've ever known in forty years plus that can do all that stuff, they all speak in tongues. Huh. So what's the point? Well, Paul actually says, it tells you in the New Testament what the point of speaking in tongues is. Edification. Mm. It's, it's, it's to edify you. It's to, when, if you don't know how to pray, the, the Spirit does. Remember, that's where it comes in with the groans and moans, it says, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's an edification prayer language, you know, that, that will... They can cut like, you know, a hot butter knife, you know. I like it. You said something a minute ago about, and this is something else that we talk about a lot, is this idea that people will take very select sections of the Bible and be like, well, that's true, but let's forget some of the stuff. And one of my favorite things that I'm, I'm reading your book is that you're not doing that. And there's a few sections that I want to talk about. One for instance, just because it's something that we've talked about a lot recently. We've just read through Revelations. Um uh, we, we did a Monday night stream for a while. We we're just reading through Revelations and just trying to see what see what was uh, revealed to us and speak to people and get different people's ideas on, on it and stuff like that. And you have this section uh, right after the one her well, no, it's after another one that I wanted to point out later. But uh, it says, uh, it's talking about this single standalone verse of you won't know the day or the hour. And it says the single standalone verse if it's saying what we teach it's saying contradicts the intent of the other 50 verses in the chapter, as well as the parable of the 10 virgins in chapter 25. And I'd like to talk about that. Cause that is something we've talked about a lot is the, the parable of the 10 virgins. In the, in the yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, they actually teach pastors in seminary. They, their, their approach is single standalone verses. You can't do that. There's no context except Jesus wept. Yeah. You know, maybe that single standalone verse, but you literally, I mean, you can, Christianity says, um, Christianity says that because of Hebrews 8.13, the law's been done away with. That's one verse. Excuse me. The con- that one verse is in a conversation that spans chapter 4 to chapter 10. And it's not talking about the law. It's literally talking about the priesthood, mm-hmm. right? So, Jesus, not only did he say we were going to be able to do these things, but we'd be greater things. Why? Because we, we, have to, we, don't, understand, we, don't, we don't understand anything about Hebrew as Christians because they've, that, you know, Catholicism took, took care of that. And, 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 and Christianity is, is, is Reformed Catholicism. That's what Protestantism is. And so we're not supposed to even, you know, dabble with anything that has to do with the Hebraic side of our faith. Well, mm-hmm. If we did, we would actually understand what Paul is saying when Paul is saying what he's saying, besides, you know, Jesus himself. So, so you asked two questions. One, why, why, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm a little. I'm not, no, I'm I probably did. I, I have that issue where I ask too many questions at once. No, it's okay. So the question, what was the, well, the one you asked, 
greater things than this we would do. How does that work? And then what was the, this question? Um, was, just I, Well, so we've talked about this idea where everybody points to that one verse of you won't know the day or the hour. Oh, but it oh, seems okay. to yeah, ne- yeah, yeah. negate the idea of the 10 virgins and the, the oil. Okay, for, the for people who don't point. know, really quick, okay. to just give some context. So let's um, do that one. Okay, so here's the thing about the 10 virgins we don't understand as Christians, and that's they knew exactly when to meet him and where to meet him. Mm-hmm. We're told no man knows any the day or the hour, and so you can't know. And he comes as a thief in the night. Well, no, that's not what it actually says. <coughs> it actually says that if you're in the dark, he comes to you as a thief in the night. Look it up. But those of us that are in the light, are to, we, we're aware of the season of his return. Mm. He doesn't come to us as a thief in the night. It literally says that, but they, they leave all that stuff out. It's just like everyone quotes Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Be strong and courageous. But, but, but what does verses 5, 6, 7, 8 tell you to be strong and courageous in? In order for that success, mm-hmm. they leave that out. Well, right. you're not going to get the result if, you don't, if, you're, if you're skipping the formula. Right. Right? So if we believe that we can't know the day or the hour of Jesus' return, you got to remember, his second coming, it says that his second coming, the second coming of Messiah, because it's, there's, a, there's confusion there between the second coming of Messiah and the end of the age, the end of the millennium reign. Mm-hmm. But the second coming, which begins the millennium reign, is Jesus coming down to deliver Israel from her mortal enemies, human enemies. Mm-hmm. They leave that out too. But the, the, the ten virgins, they knew exactly when and where to meet him. Yes. Now, while they waited, he tarried. Half of them ran out of oil. They went and got oil, came back. He had to come and gone. Mm-hmm. So, no man knows the day or the hour is speaking more about, we don't know when God's going to wrap it up at the end of the millennium reign and say that's enough. Destroys the earth, new heaven, new earth. We don't know when that day is. But, no man knows the day or the hour is actually re- Hebraically Old Testament pointing to um, Day of Atonement, Yom, uh, Yom, Yom Kippur. Uh, Yom Turah. I mean, uh, day, not Day of Atonement. That's the tenth day. It's it's pointing to Yom Turah, which is a feast of. Uh, man, I'm, I'm like not feeling good at all. <laughs> I, I wrote a. I mean, that's like my. You wrote a whole book. book on it, but it's the yeah, sickness. I'm telling Yom, you. Yom see Tura, guys, see guys. Trumpets. That episode I did with Seth. That was not my fault. The food that's going around this year. It's bad. Uh, real yeah. quick, I don't. I want to cut you off for for just a second. Well, let, me and, the, let me finish oh, the sure. one day or the hour. No one knows the day or the hour is actually re- talking or just is, is actually a reference to. Yom Torah, the day of trumpets. Yes. Mm. The first of the three fall feasts. So it's the first day of the month, Yom Torah, trumpets. Ten days later, it's atonement, Yom Kippur. And then five days later is the eight-day feast of tabernacles. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why no man knows the day or the hour is because day one is based on, the first day of the month is based on the visible crescents. Hmm. Another thing Christianity doesn't know about. Christianity doesn't know that God counts from the evening, right? Evening, not the morning. And and then we're supposed to be watching the new moon to know what day it is. And then when we see the new moon, we blow the shofar. Well, Christianity doesn't do that. So remember in Colossians chapter 2, don't let anybody judge you for a new moon festival, 
what uh-huh. you eat, what you drink. Christianity mm-hmm. has twisted that in a demonic way to say, you can't judge me for not doing that. No, that's not uh-huh. what it says. It says, don't let anyone judge you for watching what you eat or drink. So I tell, I ask Christians, do you eat whatever you want or drink whatever you want? Yes. That doesn't apply to you then. And then it says, don't let anybody judge you for keeping a new moon festival. Do you keep the new moon festival? Hell, you don't even know what that means. He's not talking to you. Then it talks yeah. about the feast and the Sabbath. They don't do any of that. I do. So that scripture, that, that text in Colossians 2 is literally saying, don't let anybody judge me because I do do those things. Yeah. Christians don't. So um, the, each, month is, is, each month starts with a new moon. And the new moon is based on the visible crescent. We have that, again, it's all in here. Um, we, have a, we have the new moon conjunction, which is invisible. You can't see it. It's, it's dark. Yeah. Within 48 to 72 hours, the visible crescent will be visible. So that's what Israel would look for. When the, when the new moon visible crescent would be seen, they would go to the Sanhedrin. They would send, set the, the torch. Remember the torches in uh, Lords, of, Lords of the Ring? The torch yeah, signals, yeah. signal fires. They would do that all throughout the land. Everybody would know it's now Rosh Kodesh. It's now the new moon. Now we know what day it is. Now it's, so tomorrow will be day one, beginning in the evening, day one. Well, huh. how do you how do you uh, set up a feast like Yom Tura, for example? It's the only feast that that be, is that is on a new moon. How do you know when to begin Yom Tura? No one knows it. No one knows the day or the hour because we we're waiting on the fluid visible crescent. Wow. Yeah, that's very different than uh, what you normally hear. Like I said, out of the one verse, and this is something we've complained about—not even just on the show, but just in talking to each other a lot—is like it's really hard to go to a church when they give you one verse and the pastor exposits for nine hours about uh, tithing or something. Completely and it's like out, yeah, out of context. Yeah, completely out of context. And I don't. Uh, if you're not giving the context, I don't think you're actually leading. Yeah, yeah. And there's you, so you're much. Not equipping, you're not equipping people with with yeah. the Bible. No. And we and Chameleon Church is an equipping ministry. Yeah. Um, sorry, I don't. I want to let you say what you're going to say, Abby. I just want to say this really quick. Um, we've gone over the point where we normally kick Rumble off, but I think this conversation is so yeah. good, and I, we generally try to keep the stuff that's a lot more spiritual in nature just up on YouTube because, you know, screw them. So um, <laughs> we're just going to keep this one up. We're going to keep going. Yeah. If you guys uh, want to stick around, or, you know, please follow us on Rumble if you can because we can't trust YouTube to keep our, our channel up. Um, but I will say this too. At some point, we will be going over and just chatting with you guys, answering your questions. So I'm seeing a lot of great stuff over in Odyssey. You guys are sending us memes. Thank you, Waffle Salter and Blankets. We'll get to those at the end. And if you guys have questions you want to ask Alan, uh, feel free to get them in um, and we'll try to get to them. If you put them in as a rumble rant, we'll see it a lot easier. There's a lot of chat going on. We appreciate you guys. We'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show. Um, just want to put that all out there. So what were you going to say, Abby? I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> we went 10 minutes over. Where I normally kick off YouTube. Oh, and I should yeah. probably say something. Where, where were we? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> this has been else. great. Oh. Yeah. Uh, hey man, they've been blaming me for everything for a long time. Just, <laughs> just keep I, it going. I've read the Bible quite a few times, and this time through, just in the last six months or so, I've started to realize how much I've missed. And I think that there's such a huge extent to which when we don't understand something, we just kind of skim by it. Yeah. And we're like, well, maybe I'll just... I don't know what that means. <laughs> and I, I now I'm reading mean. it like, holy crap, how did I not see this for so long? I mean, I've been I've been reading since I was... I've been reading seriously since I was like 10. So it's, yeah. it's been a while. 
um, to, to miss so much. I say to yeah. people a lot too, like you said something earlier, Alan, about how the modern day church does not believe in the Old Testament really, or they just, mm. they don't think it's important. I feel yeah. like there's no way to possibly understand the New Testament without well, understanding the Old possible? Testament. Because see, the New Testament isn't the scripture. Right. Christians hate it when I say that. The New Testaments aren't, aren't scripture. The New Testament are teachings, writings yeah. on the scripture, which is the Tanakh, the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And so to, to even think, and they do, this is the majority of Protestantism, the majority of Christianity have no Old Testament reference experience, which means they're not going to be able to understand what Paul is actually saying. Paul is a rabbi. That's why he's the, <laughs> the, the apostle to the Gentile. Because who else is going to actually unpack this thing called the law, the Torah, and explain it to people without a reference experience, Gentiles who are actually pagan, the fishermen, and the fact right. that he's also a Roman citizen, he understands. So, if I'm doing a, a series on Romans on my two-minute warning I do every week, and there is so much... I mean, I'm, I'm barely, I just started chapter four of Romans and the amount of, of scripture that Paul is referencing and quoting to make his position, man, it's everywhere. But, but you wouldn't know that. Romans is uh, Paul's, Paul's Christianity's poster boy for all things anti-Torah, anti-Hebrew, anti-Old Testament, when it's absolutely completely the exact opposite. Did you see the premise for this? 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 12, Paul, I don't want you to be ignorant. So what happened to Israel in the desert? Because everything that happened to Israel in the desert happened as a warning for you, the New Testament church. If you don't, if you if you fall in the same snares that Israel did in the desert with Moses, <coughs> you'll also die without Messiah. That's a paraphrase of what Paul is saying, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 12. Because he says, This is what happened to Israel is, is going to happen to you. And what was Israel's uh, uh, what was the issue with Israel in the desert with Moses? They wouldn't obey the instruction, the covenant, mm. the law, the Torah, the instructions of Moses. Yeah. So, uh, for example, my, back to what you were saying, Abby, this is my daughter's favorite. And my daughter's in her 30s, not like she's not like seven or something. I have grandkids that are eight and nine and all that. But anyway, my, my daughter's favorite. How many animals did uh, Noah take on the ark? Two of each, and then seven of the clean okay. animals. Christians yeah. don't know that. Oh, most Christians do not know they that. They don't. They, yeah. go, they go two by two, two of each. They don't know that it says that he took seven pair of clean. Do you know why he took seven pair, pair of clean? So For sacrifices, I sacrifices. thought. He has to eat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eat. <laughs> you can't <laughs> eat, eat the unclean animal. Right. But, Alan, this is way before Moses. The Torah has been, was established in the garden. Why do you think mm. why do you think Cain and Abel knew about sacrificing? Right. You're That's right. a good point. I never I even never... thought of it that way. Noah took seven pair of clean animal because they have to eat. There wasn't actually it doesn't really say anything about sacrificing on the ark, but they did have right, to eat. But after. You can't eat mouse. You can't yeah. eat swine. You know, mm. he had he took enough clean animals to eat. Seven pair of each clean. That, that's I, mean, I knew the part about 
Sabbath, that they had been celebrating Sabbath since the beginning. But I didn't I didn't think about just yes. like the intricacies of the law. And so much of the law comes down to health and like don't eat this because it's like sure. we all, we, yeah, things that right. would keep them alive in the desert, keep diseases well, from spreading, right? Paul, yeah. Paul brings up the law in every letter. If you used to uh, steal, stop stealing. If you used to kill, stop killing. If you're sexually immoral, stop being sexually immoral. Yeah. That's the law. Yeah. In every letter. Yeah. Uh, if you read, if you read Acts properly, you'll see that Paul's ministry was teaching the law and the prophets in the synagogue on the Sabbath to Jews and Gentiles. Mm-hmm. It says that, you know. But there's an agenda, right? And uh, there's an agenda that is leading us all to a place, to the end game of a B system. And this is one of the first things they have to eliminate in, in order to get everybody to toe the line, the narrative, and to get, get into step so that they can be coerced into believing and thinking and doing what that system is going to propagate. But if, right, but if, you, but if you actually know the Bible and actually understand the Bible, and actually live out the Bible, which would include more, you know, the Torah. You're not going to get swept away by by all that. Yeah, you. Can, well, I want to talk about the B system really quick because you um, had told me when we were messaging a few weeks ago that you are working on another project that has to do with that. Do you want to explain that for people and? Or do you not want to talk about it yet? Is it under wraps? Should I say that? It's too, it's too soon and too early. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. And He's not working on anything that has to do with <laughs> Revelation at all. Of a, My bad. But, <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, that's fine. Because um, yeah, I have another pretty, question if I can't ask that one. Sure. Okay. You can ask all the questions you want. <laughs> except for that. So something that, that we like to talk about, and I, I, you and me had kind of talked about this as well, is this idea of the end times great deception. And mm-hmm. I want to get your your thoughts on what that is, what that might look like. Right. Uh, we're absolutely in it. Let's look at it this way. If as people of faith, right, Christians are supposed to represent God on earth, right? If they can be deceived into believing that they have no power or authority in the spirit realm because they, be- they don't believe in the spirit realm, mm. the enemy automatically wins because everything we're talking about, all this stuff is done. How do you <clears> – <throat> Jesus spoke with power and authority and then backed that up with signs and wonders. He taught his disciples to do the same thing. If Christianity doesn't speak with power and authority to transform lives and then back that up with power with, with signs and wonders, yet you've got AI over here and you've got what, what's going on over here and what's happening and what's coming going on over here, they're not even they're, they're, they don't even have Christians don't even have a seat at the table. They will mm. literally yeah not be in the game yeah. because so, they can do it right they can perform signs and wonders like in in exodus yeah. they duplicated half the plagues yes the coptics did absolutely mm-hmm. and it also says that the antichrist comes with his mighty ones with signs and wonders in the sky yeah oops but christians don't believe that mm-hmm. they, well the majority of christianity doesn't believe that that stuff is for today or that it exists the majority so What's going to happen, let's say, it, when, uh, when a big, huge, honking monolith spaceship is hovering over every major city in the world? There, you know how many of those Christians are going to lose their faith? Because the God I've believed in and that I was told about didn't prepare me for this. And this, mm-hmm. So now what? Uh, there's, there's a spaceship. Yeah. 
Well, who knows? Are they UFO? Is, is that, are there aliens? Are they multidimensional? What the heck? Ancient yeah. astronauts theory, blah, blah, blah. Well, now what? Nephilim? I mean, what, what's going on? I, They're going to lose their faith because they don't have a theology for this. Yeah. No I just want to point out, I want to point out that it was Alan this time and not me that brought up <laughs> something related to project Bluebeam. And I know I get a lot of <laughs> flack for that in the chat. No, but I've, I've been saying the same thing for, for many months now, at least if not lo well, longer even, but on this well, podcast for many months that I think that this is a part of this great deception is people are starting. We don't have a theology that encompasses these things. No. We don't understand what these things in the sky are. And people are starting to look towards aliens as gods are looking at AI as, yeah. as gods. They're literally creating religions around AI right now. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's the proof. Um, they had, they, they did a little, they, they just did a number on us the last couple of years mm -hmm. where people weren't allowed to go to church for yep. like six weeks. Yep. Remember that? Yep. Churches all over the U S were shut down because of this coronavirus thing. Yeah. Do you know, because of, of the circles I run in, Pastors were losing, were, were really concerned because the vast majority of their congregants were turning to alcohol, porn, and sexual immorality in that time period because they couldn't go to church for six weeks. Yep. Yeah, you know what's crazy is if you uh, p paid attention to the news, you'd find out that things like Tinder did not actually lose. This is meeting up with people in person for random sex. That did not go down. It went up. During the time that people weren't going to church, alcohol sales went up while people weren't going to church. Pornography, uh, Pornhub had insane record levels during that time. So it's a, it's it's all so of that. If you're gonna if you're gonna sideswipe yourself because you can't go to church, what about what we're talking about? What about mm -hmm. Ephesians six? These cosmic powers of ruling darkness that show up at your door, and it's a, it's, a, it's the end of the game story for them. Yeah, <clears throat> because they don't believe that there are demons or whatever, and they don't have any power or authority over them. They, they, they literally, they're, they're anemic when it comes to thwarting off spiritual warfare, demonic attacks, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, everything that we're, literally everything that we're seeing that's happening out there is to bring us to this point of subjugation to a system. And unfortunately, the majority of faith-based people are, are going to fall into play mm -hmm. simply because they literally don't know their Bible or what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And no one's teaching them because the pastors don't know it. The pastors can't teach what they don't know. It's supernatural. This whole thing is spiritual. And if they, if they don't have this peace, right, they're not going to be able to combat it. But that's why you have to. So in October of 2019 on my Tuesday morning show, I prophesied that we were all going to this next stage, regardless of where you were spiritually, didn't matter. The whole entire planet was going to this next stage. And it was God hitting the, the table and saying, enough! But then as a loving father to his prodigal, he was saying, come on, you know, start adulting, hashtag adulting for God. <laughs> this was uh, October of 2019. Um and we all know what happened within the next four or five months. And I basically said, if you haven't figured this stuff out yet, chances are we've gotten to a point where you won't be able to because mm -hmm. you just aren't, you know, life in peacetime is one thing. Right. Life in warfare is another. Yeah. And um, it's, 
it's it's a very aggressive thing. It's not a passive pacifist thing. Where we need to actually understand what the mechanics are of our Earth realm. That the Earth realm is a Hollywood backdrop of the spiritual realm. And that's where this is played. That's where your provision comes from. That's where your health and healing comes from. That's where the prophecy, that's where, I mean, that's where Jesus played. Mm -hmm. He played in that realm. Yeah. And that's why he was able to do what he did. And then he told us we were supposed to do that too. And I see something here, the sixth deal. There's a time coming where it's going to be the end of the age of the Gentiles, according to Romans. Mm -hmm. When the last Gentile comes to salvation, and then that's it. And all of this has to do with Israel. It's always been about Israel. <laughs> Thank you. We were talking about this on our Revelation stream. People want to forget that Revelation is about Israel. Here's, here's why we're important. Because what we, we literally stand between Israel and the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And look what they've done to, to degrade that. Look what Obama did. Look what right. Biden's doing. Right. <clears throat> in, in 1971, so I, I subscribed to Seven Mountain Prophecy by Lance Wallnow and Johnny Enlow. Okay. Great guys. Um, Greenspan in 1971 said the, the 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 goal of the TRL Trilateral Commission is to take over the world, and the only way to do that is you have to get rid of the uh, the U.S. has to get taken away from. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to do that with the U.S.? You have to go after their government. You have to go over their education, their churches, and their finances, which is what mm -hmm. they've done four yeah. of the seven mountains this is 1971 yeah. right Seven mountain didn't come out till uh 2007 2008 um and why they have to get rid of us in order to be able to do this whole world thing because once they get rid of us israel's exposed right yeah. and that's what it's about you you're the second uh person in a row we've had on as a guest that that told us about one of their prophecies so um and if you don't mind, I want to tell you about one of mine that I had in uh, sure. January of 2021. I had said, I felt like God was laying out my heart that we were going from the change. And I could probably find this video. Uh, the change that we've been seeing, the stuff that you're talking about, the TRO, the, the Trilateral Commission, all these things that are happening, that change has been going on gradually for a really long yes. time. And I said, I think that we're about to step into the all at once phase. Yeah. And I think we could say that that's been bearing out. I mean, we, we talk about AI a lot. AI was not a thing six months ago in any, like other than in a science fiction book. Now it's like literally they have truth chat, truth GPT or chat truth or some new thing coming out next week. I thought they just did chat GPT four. apparently they're on five or six. I literally can't keep up with the change that's going on with the economy, right. with wars, with technology, with the, the change of beliefs. Uh, belief systems. I, it's it's crazy, and, and this is something everybody that's in uh, conservative media or Christian media or any or con or conspiracy stuff has talked about over the last few years that everything's happening so fast they can't keep up with the news anymore. It's uh, my concern is what hap is what ha is what's happening sexually with the children because every ancient civilization yes. went there. Yeah, the, the Greeks did it before, before their died. fall. The Romans did it before their fall. Yeah. See, I believe, I, I think, I think the, I, I have no problem in, in the gap theory. I think mm -hmm. that's totally plausible. And if that's, be, if that's the case, they've been, they've been spending a lot of time. Well, we know that in the days of Joshua, uh, I'm sorry, um, when the watchers came down, what was his name? 
Anyway, oh, gosh, I know I'm blanking too. Enoch, uh, are you talking about Enoch? Jared. Jared, Since yes, the, the war, the war. The days of yeah. Jared, the watchers came down onto Mount, right. Mount Hermon. So they've been, this has been going on for at least seven, seven generations before the flood. Mm -hmm. And that's, it, that's, that's not counting what, what was happening before the first flood, right? Between Genesis 1 and Genesis 1 2. They've been trying to recreate this. You got to remember, Lucifer's kicked out of heaven. And, and placed here. This is his earth, his world, his dominion. He has authority. And God, I mean, right? I mean, who does that? Puts this other being of his, who's not human like us, he's an immortal Adam, in a beautiful garden, dead center, you know, right smack dab in the middle of this other guy's dominion, domain earth yeah and gives adam dominion over this this the animals the plants everything you know it's like it's like it's it's a little weird there right yeah and so and so what what he's been trying to do is not only is he trying to subvert this being and he does he seduces them in the garden but there's this whole ecosystem there's this whole civilization there's a whole societal lifestyle thing he's been trying to get us to be a part of which will uh, a friend of mine doug hamp has a great book corrupt the image corrupting the image he that's his goal his goal is to corrupt us yeah so that we're disqualified before the father mm -hmm. that's yeah. how much he hates us well we know that all the kingdoms of the earth are his and his to, uh, uh, to give to whomever he, whoever he will. That's what he tells Jesus. Jesus didn't question that at all because Jesus also knows the playing field. But that's why Jesus took back the deed of the earth mm. with his death and resurrection. And, he's, right, and he wants to give it back to us, but there are rules of engagement. There are things we have to do to align ourselves with this reality, this Light being, we're supposed to be put, we're supposed to be putting on the armor of light. We're supposed to be functioning. This is something we lost. When I, when you, be, when all of when everybody, when we all became Christians, we were told the goal was now to become like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Somewhere early on, that was lost, perverted, and sidetracked because we're not becoming like Jesus. Because becoming like Jesus, guess what that means. Paul tells you how to do it. Throw yourself as a living sacrifice on the altar, right? Um, pick up your cross daily, all that. But that, but it's not just that. To become like Jesus, if we're all, we all signed up to become like Jesus. Well, guess what that means? You heal the sick. You cast out demons. You raise the dead. You walk on water. You eat fish and walk through walls. You function in the earth realm from the place of this spirit realm like Jesus did, because that's the only way this is getting done. Mm -hmm. That's the only way. What is it, physical or spiritual? When the uh, the beast, when the image of the beast comes to life, an inanimate object. It's both, right? Well, it's in the earth realm, but that's definitely spiritual. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Even if it's alien or otherworldly or multidimensional, still, it's right. still out of our earth realm understanding and you, you brought up earlier about um, 
you were at the very beginning, you were talking about time. Yeah. yeah. The late great David Flynn in, in, in uh, Temple in the Center of Time in his book Temple in the Center of Time, God is outside time, right? Mm-hmm. So, but he's chosen, he has chosen to anchor himself to our timeline through the Ark of the Covenant. And that is like the most amazing thing yeah. I can even freaking think of. Okay, can I ask you then, what do you think happened to the Ark of the Covenant? Because we did an episode on this a few weeks ago. Uh, and there's I, the, the I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I kind of lean towards, what's his name? Um, the guy that found it. And it's literally. Oh, yes. Okay. So we. What's his name again? Oh, man. So anyway, I, I've, I, I work with the Root Awakening Ministries. Michael Root, I've been on their show multiple times. They want me back again. All that. So I work with those guys a lot. And they worked with this guy that yeah. we're talking about. Um, it came up in one of our episodes, and I can't for the life of me remember his name. But he's the one who says it was underneath Golgotha, essentially, yes. right? Yes. It's underneath Golgotha, and that the blood from the cross seeped through the ground in, and, and actually landed on top of. What's his name? I can't remember. Okay. I, I know exactly. You want to know what's about. funny? I don't have it in front of me right now, but earlier I was trying to, I was looking through your, your music on YouTube uh-huh. and the video on one of the videos on the side was that guy. No joke. It was him. And it was him talking about how he believes that the blood came down through Golgotha and got onto the Ark of the Covenant. So I, I have no problem with that. So it's funny. And for people who didn't or like, and what? it's you in got- the middle of Jerusalem. Have you yeah. been in Israel? I haven't. I need so to. So if you I have a picture of it, Gol- Golgotha, there's a bus terminal right in front of the if, if this is the face of the skull, up to about the nostril is where the ground is now, and it's a bus terminal. Mm. So when we covered it, I was looking into the theory, the main theories of you know, some people think it's in Ethiopia, which is silly. And then there's the other theory where the Temple Institute is saying that they know where it's at and it's buried underneath the Temple Mound. And so we didn't actually get into that guy on that episode, but then later it started coming up and the same guy came up in a quirks of creation episode that they did. And we just haven't had a, a chance to deep dive on his claims and stuff like that. We've so touched good. on it briefly. So I just posted. So, I mean, cause they took the blood, <laughs> they took the blood and they had it. They had it. Um, there's a, I, I actually posted a video recently of him, of this guy. I'll find it. Where they, where he talks about when they took the blood to get analyzed, and it it was only half human, right? Because of Mary, and the blood was alive. What? Yeah. What's his name? What Come is on. His name? Are any of my are any chameleon church out there watching this? Tell me the <laughs> name. Um, are you are you googling it, Abby? <laughs> I'm looking for my post. I. Uh, yeah, I'll find. Ron, it. Oh, Ron Wyatt. There Ron Wyatt. There we go. I found Wyatt. It. And I've seen. So I've been to the Root Awakening Studios in North Carolina, and they've got a lot of these artifacts. Dude, it's so rad. Because uh, Michael Root was in Israel for over twenty-five years doing this kind of stuff. We're gonna have to look back <laughs> into the claims of Ron Wyatt because I, I, it only briefly came up towards the end of our looking into that, and then I was like, man, I totally missed this whole thing. So yeah, Ron Wyatt. There's an actual yeah. video that I posted the other day of Ron Wyatt talking about when they took the blood to get um, tested. Oh, I missed it. Waffle Salter had it like two minutes ago, and I was look, not looking over at the Odyssey chat. Waffle, of <laughs> Thanks, course Waffle, Waffle Salter would know it. Thank you. He's good. <laughs> so cool. 
Okay, so you said something earlier, which is funny because there's been a few times. This is this is why this episode's been so great. There's been a few times I wrote down a question and then Alan just got to it naturally without me asking it. So I was in the, um, I was in the spirit. <laughs> you were, you were. So one of the questions that I wrote down is I I think it's hilarious and awesome. This is the only uh, devotional I've ever read that mentions the Nephilim. And I was just going to read a passage on it. It was in here, but I just thought that that was interesting, and I wanted to know kind of what your thoughts and I mean, because it says as in the days of Noah, and I think it's impossible yeah. to understand that without understanding how the New Testament authors viewed Genesis six. And it's pretty clear when you read Second Peter and Jude and, and even oh, yeah. Jesus's references that, that they're yeah. referencing the book of Enoch, that they're saying, hey, this is this idea of the 200 watchers, the Nephilim. It's not the sons of Seth no, mixing with the, it's such a stupid, stupid interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> well, in 1986, the Holy Spirit told me two things. One, he started revealing Torah to me and how we were going to, it was going to, the fact that Christianity wasn't even keeping the basic Sabbath, how it was going to come back and bite us on the ass. But so the Holy Spirit started revealing the observance of Torah and he tells me, read Genesis 6 and understand it. I'm, there's no internet. <laughs> there's nothing, right? Right. And it was a pretty scary little, uh, journey and it took me to places i already knew about you know aliens and alien abductions and this and that and the other and the holy spirit told me like two or three things that i couldn't back up with the canonized catholic bible right you know and, and you know what they say about that if they they, f they basically say if it's not in the bible it couldn't have happened didn't happen which is just, is just silly um <laughs> But then it would come, you know, they manifested eventually. They, you know, I got the inf the information mm -hmm. on that. So I have been very careful. I, I told my in, in the it was in the early eighties. I was talking to a friend of mine. He was and he's an he's a one of those intellectual types. We still talk today, and uh, he he. Um, really smart guy smarter than i am i'm not very smart i'm just an old punk rocker but he was like <laughs> you know he he really he was telling me how he really um admired my position and stance on christendom he was raised in christianity but you know but um he goes and you're a smart guy how how can you still how can you possibly still believe the biblical narrative you know and i and i explained to him look i i I I, ha I I make the choice. I make the conscious decision to believe that the biblical narrative is correct, is, is true, and that we have enough to go by. That God, again, he's not this weird thing. He's on our side. He's for us. He's championing us, um, has given us what we need to be able to pull this thing off. I know, you know, the Masoretic, the, the Septuagint, none of those have been really tampered with. You can't really tamper with that. But the Old New Testament, oh, yeah, those guys, man, they went to town. Then you'll find Easter in there instead of Passover. Right. You'll find one one lone verse to, to, that they used to defend the Trinity and all this nonsense. But I made a choice a long time ago not to get involved with conspiracy and not to get involved with 
Um, Might have came on the wrong show. No, no, I'm no, just no. Kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> right, right, right. Because remember, Francis Schaefer came out with uh, what was that book about about civil disobedience? Yeah, it came up I the can't other day. remember the name of it, but uh, mere Christianity or no, 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 no. mere Christianity was C.S. Lewis. Lewis. That's yeah. Lewis. Now, so he came up with a book that was kind of about civil disobedience and stuff. And we're, you know, I'm, I'm making the choice not to get involved with that. Cause I'm, I'm going to go with the don't tear that don't, don't pick the tears f- with the wheat, leave them mm-hmm. alone, let them grow together. My angels will show up and take care of that when it's time. Remember when Jesus said that? Yeah. So who am I? If the angels are going to come afterward and divide tares in the wheat, why am I going to do that? He says, he literally says, leave it alone. So I made the choice to leave it alone. But then he tells me this about the, um, about this, uh, read Genesis six and understand it. Well, that was a very strange time to yeah. learn this stuff and to figure it out and to come to an understanding. You know, um, you know, are there grays involved? Are there? I mean, what's what's the alien piece and how's that working? You have two hundred watchers, which are <laughs> sons of God, which are higher than archangels, right? Jesus is the son of God. Lucifer is the son of God. There's the assembly of the sons of God. They, you know, they, they get together and they, they have their meetings and Job and some of them are princes and they, they run planets. We know all this. And they basically do everything we were not supposed to ever know about. And that, you know, reading, writing, makeup, culture, art, mineral, you know. And, but it's Abaddon who's, who's really busted the most is because he taught us war. Mm. So we're, so we have this, there's this issue and 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 they and they start procreating, right? They they basically mess up the basic rule, right? There's there's the rules of cause and effect. The fabric of our time space continuum comes with certain rules, and one of them is everything after its own kind. And you can't violate okay. that. That's a major violation, and that's what they did. Their watchers were half human. They're, they're, I mean, the watchers, the, the, the offspring of the watchers, the Nephilim, mm-hmm. everybody gets that confused and they mess it up. Really aggravates me. Right. The watchers we try to get that one right because I've, I've said it the wrong way a few times. And I try to correct myself on that. Yeah. One. The watchers are 200 sons of God. They, uh, they're, I believe they're called watchers because they basically protected our airspace and, and they were like sentries yeah. and they kept things out. That's interesting. That's that's a whole thing in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. And they protected our airspace from what's out there—multidimensional beings, demonic things, right? Whatever. And then they they saw our women. They wanted to procreate, and they made a deal: all or nothing. We either all do this, or or we're not going to do it at all. And they all said, "Let's do it." And they 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 inter- they had the word uh, the word in the Hebrew is they there was a proper fitting. That's not to be (laughs) right. They could do this. And so they were able to do it. And then they had offspring called Nephilim, which were, according to to Enoch, 600 plus feet high. And now they have to sustain them. They're not immortal because they have human blood in them. So now they have to sustain them. And so they they started experimenting with the DNA of animal, plant, and, and human to sustain them. And that's where we get what we believe in your, your mermaids, your yep. centaurs, you know, your, your sitars that are mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, things of that nature, lion men, uh, you know, Dog fairies, men. things of that nature. But we also think 
that's where they got the swine. Oh, I never right? thought about Please that. Please go on. Yeah, Please now I'm curious. On. Well, everything about a pig is like very human, they say. The skin. Oh my gosh, they do, though. The, the taste. The, the DNA the smell, is very close, right? Human flesh is supposed to taste and smell like pig flesh. You can use pig anatomy and, and human anatomy. So is it possible that the swine is uh, some sort of hybrid of, of, their, of their crazy Frankenstein experiments? To find a way to sustain their their offspring, what which is why it's so you cannot eat this. Isaiah two chapters, abominable things. You can't eat swine. If during the millennium reign, if you eat swine or rat, you will not be able to enter Mount Zion to worship Jesus. Why rat? Because rats. Have you seen a rat? <laughs> have you seen rats? I have. Ugh. I have seen rats. <laughs> So they def they defile and they pervert at the core DNA level Earth, and it says that when it says that Noah was righteous in his generation, it's the the Hebrew suggests that he was the only one with pure DNA. Right. Yeah. 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 This is something I pointed out too, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I want to get your take. I said it when I finally understood Genesis six, and when I finally started to understand these things, all of the genealogies started to make sense to me. Like there's so much genealogy in the old Testament. I'm like, why is this important? Then you understand like him and his right. line. That's, that's birthing Nephilim later on. That says that the Nephilim of the Nephilim from right. essentially the word, meaning these Neph the, these Nephilim or Nephilim or whatever, uh, the Ammonites are from the same blood as the Nephilim in pre-flood. And we start the book. We start this book with that prophecy. Yeah. With Abraham. Yeah. So we have, this this thing, and so God has to wipe out the earth. And so here's what we know: we know that Abraham, we know that Noah had pure DNA, but we don't know anything about the three women God selected for sister-in-law, right. uh, daughter-in-laws. Right. And why that? Maybe that's mm. why he 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 cursed Canaan instead of Ham, because maybe Canaan was a little. Canaan had it. Had little, See, that's the, been my the, theory too: is that Ham's wife had some recessive Nephilim DNA. So, and, it, and that's and why it would see, say that it was the same blood. Recessive back then, it's pretty right. much, this is when it's going on. Yeah, this is where you get Nimrod from. This is where the, all the yeah. lines of giants that's, later on that's come the thing, from. And that's the thing about Nimrod. We believe that he put on the garments of Adam and Eve, and then he began to begin to become, he transformed to Gabor. Yeah. An altered, you know, uh, hybrid. Yeah, so I want to ask about that because that's something we struggle with a little bit because with him, it doesn't say he was born a Nephilim or a Gibberim, I no. should say, a mighty so we, man. We believe, it says he became one. Right, we believe, so the, the garments of Adam and, Adam and Eve, the garments that God made in the garden for Adam and Eve were trans were uh, given as uh, kind of like heirlooms to all the mm. patriarchs. Noah had them on the ark. Ham stole them. And... Canaan one day decides to put them on. Now these are going to be <coughs> if the if the if the clothing for the Levitical priesthood is holy to the mm. to the point. <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I'm sick. Remember? Yeah, stop dying. <laughs> to the point of saving them from death. Yeah, and yeah. that's holy, right? If those garments can be supernaturally holy. Imagine garments that God made in the Garden of Eden. 
with his own hand, like with his own yeah. hands. Yeah, and in the garden. In the garden. So, yeah. so it suggested, yeah. I think in Jubilee's <coughs> can put him on, and he began to begin to become <coughs> transformed into to Gabor. Mm-hmm. Wow. Into a Nephilim hybrid. Yeah. And then the next thing we see is uh, a Stargate portal um, with the uh, Tower of Babel was a Stargate. Babel is something that keeps coming up over and We've over. We've talked about it so many times. Gateway to the gods. understand it. Yeah. The yeah. translation of that word is gateway to the gods. Gateway to the like gods. A literal stargate. And they knew that something had changed on the earth, obviously, after the flood, but they also could see that something had changed in the heavenlies. Yes. And so that's why they were doing this Babel. But it, apparently Saturn, it's suggested, was closer than it is. And then mm-hmm. it's where it is now. But then you've heard about the moon of Saturn, right? One of the moons of Saturn isn't actually necessarily a moon, but it looks like it's an artificial. Something. So if you get oh. David Flynn's book, uh, Gateway, oh, I should probably go grab it and I can show Let me go grab it and I'll get it. I'll okay. show it. All right. Well, while he's doing that, I'm going to check yeah, on. Right the, Hold on. Oh, he's got it. I was just going to pull up some of these memes you guys are sending us really quick because they're hilarious. Oh, it's not this one. oh, here it is. I think it's this one. This is insane. Yes. <laughs> so good. So okay. Good. So this is Tom Horn. You guys are familiar with Tom Horn, Steve Quell, David Flynn? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine, right? I know the voice of God. I, I know when God speaks. Yeah. I know what that is. Well, yeah. it got to this, this, this uh, adventure of me trying to figure out this Genesis 6 thing got me in some, some deep weeds. And I'm like, oh, man, did I hear God right? Then when I discovered Tom Horn, Steve Quell, David Flynn, they're all saying the same thing I am. I'm like, I'm not alone and I'm not crazy. So Nephilim Stargates, Tom Horn. Oh, that's my back. next book. I'm What's reading that? that. That's my next book I'm reading. <laughs> and sure. look at the back. There's yeah. the, the fake moon of Saturn. Oh, now, my gosh. Saturn is, <laughs> is Dagon, right? Oh, it could be. I mean, there's a lot of Saturn worship has persisted through yeah. the ages. It's so hear, hear me out. Okay. I want to hear <laughs> this it. This is an obsession of mine. The whole concept that, that all these beings have been the same throughout all time and that they're expressed differently in these different pantheons, that different cultures have told different stories about them, but they are the same people, same beings throughout. And that Saturn is this father to the storm god, Zeus, Baal, whichever one you want to call him. And in every single one of the stories, Zeus kills Saturn or Baal kills Dagon. But in the right. Bible, God defeats Dagon. Right. Literally decapitates him. Yeah. So we think, we think that Nimrod is the beginning of the, of the first of many Lucifer's version of Jesus. Right. That's what we've said as well. Right. Yeah. He dies, comes back. Whether it's yeah. Nimrod, whether it's Bell, whether it's Ab, uh, uh, Apollyon, yep. Yep. Gilgamesh, yep. Tammuz, yep. Antichrist. Yes. Tammuz, Gilgamesh, Antichrist, right? Mm-hmm. If we're going to put him in, a, in an order. In an order. So, so there's all that. There's a. Uh, Here's what, here's, the, here's what we tell people. We, we tell them this all, all a lot. If you don't understand or believe, right? If you don't understand Genesis 6, if you don't believe what we just said about Genesis 6, 
you will not be able to accomplish Ephesians 6 mm-hmm. because they're tied together. Do I, did we have Ephesians 6 pulled up? Because I would like to read uh, you what do. you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you have people. it live. So on, um, before yeah. before we do that, though, I saw that Waffle Salter gave a generous $25 chat Aww. over on Odyssey, and he said, I missed the start of the show. Can you please let me know wh- uh, what is the guest book called and where can I get it? So I actually have the website pulled up here for you guys. You guys can go to acaciagrovepress.com. The book that we've mostly been referencing is Exodus to In Gathering, a field manual, and you can also get the week uh, 65-week calendar planner for it. And he's got this other book that I've been loving called This Thing is Spiritual, uh, as well as Feasts Unlocked. And that also has a workbook with it. So I think I forgot to put that in the Odyssey description, but it is in the Rumble description and the uh, YouTube description for the link for that as well. And I'll put it, if you guys are listening to this later, I'll put it in the description of the podcast. So you can check that out. But let's let's go to Ephesians 6. So you said if they don't understand Genesis 6, they can't fulfill Ephesians 6. If, which, you, if you don't understand or believe the Genesis six account, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have a very difficult time accomplishing or pulling off Ephesians six. Okay. So which, which verse in Ephesians six are we talking about? Yeah. Um, we don't fight against flesh and blood. And then it tells us right. what we fight against. I think I have a study it's, on it. in the it's um, right, right after the whole armor, right? I thought so. I missed it. It's in here somewhere. Hold on, I'm looking for something. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil right. in the heavenly places. So I'm, re- I'm reading out of this book. Okay. Finally, be strong. Oh, can, you show, can you show that one more time? I'm, uh, I'm reading out of this book, The Exodus in Gathering Field yeah. Man. Okay. Okay. And I am in page 364. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his great power. Well, you know what? I could do this. Look at this. I I got fancy stuff here too. I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) Look at that. I'll just blow this up real quick. There we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his great power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can fight against the devil's evil tricks. Our fight is not against people on earth, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness, against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world, which automatically suggests everything we've talked about. We have to be proactively functioning in the spiritual realm. That is why you need to put on God's full armor. Then on the day of evil, you'll be able to stand strong. And when you have finished the whole fight, you will still be standing. That's the, uh, I'm not even sure what the NCV is, but that's what the version is. I could look that up. How well versed, armed, trained, and equipped do you suppose someone needs to be to be able to fight against the world rulers of this earth's darkness? How about the forces of cosmic darkness, the cosmic powers governing this darkness, or to do battle against the universal lords of this darkness? These are all Uh, Various translations saying the same thing. To be able to fight, to do battle against spiritual powers in the heavenly world, the supernatural spiritual realm, to war against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm trying to get you to see both physically and spiritually what Ephesians 6.12 is actually talking about. You, we, need to understand that Paul isn't just being dramatic. 
Paul is literally telling us what it is we're up against, and you have to be victorious against it. So instead of training us for this, remember our leaders can't teach us what they don't actually know themselves, we've been told that Jesus does the fighting for us. And we've been taught this because of standalone verses like so on and so forth. But we're supposed to take this on, and here's the verse again. Our fight is not against people on earth, but against the rulers and authorities and powers of this world's darkness, against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world. That's not going to happen in our physical earth realm. Right. Yet, <clears throat> for some reason, we are told that, well, we're not equipped to function in the spiritual realm. We're not equipped to do anything in the spiritual realm. Good or bad, pro or, or or con, light or dark, right? We're not we're not we're not taught how to speak in tongues, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. Well, then how the hell are we going to do that? That's that's stuff we're supposed to be doing here in the earth realm. Yeah, multiplying food, prophesying, interpreting dreams. If we're not equipped to do that, how the heck are we going to be equipped? to fight against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly world. Yeah. Yeah. This has been my biggest problem with, with the modern church is we're not equipping people. We're giving them a few verses, telling yeah. them basically be good people. And then the atheists point out, I don't need you to, to be a good person. I have this, I mean, we can, like, obviously they get their morality from being raised in a Christian nation, whatever, it's different in the Middle East, but they have a point to it. They're, they're going, I don't need church to know to not, do certain things. Like I, I get that it's bad to murder, right? And if that's all we're giving people, we're not we're not equipping them for the real battle. We're not doing anybody any favors, right? Because it's again, they're they're what here's what they're taught in seminary, and this is what they've been propagating for a very long time: the gospel of salvation, not mm -hmm. the gospel of the kingdom. Two right. different things. Gospel of the kingdom includes salvation, but it doesn't stop there. And these yeah. are all Lance Wall nowisms. Yeah. I want to ask you one more question because um, sure. it reminded me of something. And then I would like I to out yet, so I'm good. I would like to to then end our audio portion and, and we've got some chats that people are getting just keep on for a little longer if you can and answer yeah. some questions that people have put in chat. Um, what is it you just said? I'm sorry. It reminded me of something. <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, the the kingdom versus gospel of salvation. Yes, that's the part, right? Okay, so I was talking about this a, a lot this week because there's a certain uh, parable that came to my mind that well, it was put in front of me in a book that I read, and it's it's been I've been a question I've asked everybody I've talked to all week, so I'll ask you um, this idea that we are tr just teaching people to run away from hell is essentially what you're talking about, right? Like this idea of just you know as long as you can avoid hell, that's all that church is there for, and it's not about filling you up, it's not about equipping you, right? And there's a parable, and Abby, maybe you could find this for me, okay. where Jesus says that if you cast out a demon, it'll run away off into a dark uh, into the dry into a dry place. And when it comes back, if the house is empty, that it will bring seven of its demon friends, and it'll be seven times Lord. worse than if you hadn't cast it out in the first place, yeah. right? So with that parable, there's a few ways uh, that I think it's important, but I think that's one of them. I, I personally speaking, I I've known a lot of Christians who got saved. Uh, you know, that, that's the whole mission, right? Is just, just ask Jesus to forgive you. And then you go to heaven and that's all you have to do. And because they never filled themselves with the Holy spirit, because they stopped doing anything. As soon as that wasn't enough for them, they got filled up with, with worse and worse and worse things. And they became so much worse people yeah. than they were before. before and and talking about america and, and and specifically the west and and revelation and these things the the 
this comes from the book uh, Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. He put this idea forth that you don't see a Hitler in a pre-Christian nation. You see it in a post-Christian nation. You don't see a Stalin in a pre-Christian nation. You see it a post-Christian nation because you've started off with that, you know, you cast the demon out, right? Essentially. But you, as soon as God's not dwelling in that house, yeah, it's sevenfold worse. Well, we've we've kind of backtracked. I mean, it was Obama that flat out said that we are no longer a Judeo-Christian nation. Right. And then gave all our money to Islam. So it's like, there's no way we can get away with these things and not have to pay the consequences for it. Right. So I have, so obviously we've been doing a lot of deliverance ministry for decades and we've, we've done this for a long time. Uh, we, we see, we, we can, we see what happens to people when they go from being Christians to not being Christians, uh, personal friends, family. It's, it's, I can literally show you a picture of a guy and what he looked like before he lived with us for five years, what he looked like a month before he left, even though we didn't think he should, and then what he looked like a year later. Yeah. And it's um, bad, good, worse. Yeah. And it's and, and I see it all the time, and it breaks my heart. Friends, family, you know. Um, they, you know, one of my favorite passages is Proverbs. Proverbs was written for stupid, lazy people. It flat out says that because people are stupid and lazy. And it says that wisdom cries out in the street, and you're so stupid and lazy you're not going to heed her. Because, right, the, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And then that should naturally progress to obedience, the Torah. And, and Proverbs will actually literally literally tell you all this. Mm-hmm. But because you're so stupid and so lazy, you won't heed wisdom's cry in the street. And so when 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 and when calamity befalls you, she's gonna laugh at you because you're so stupid and lazy. Well, if there's a and I and I break it down all throughout like my books, the the People thought, well, that's not Jesus. Alan, Alan, you're, that's not very nice to say. You can't say people are stupid and lazy. That's they not are. love. They are. they are. They <laughs> are. I get this all the time, right? And um, don't, 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 don't ask him if you should if, to, to critique your music because he'll just, <laughs> right? It's true. Facts. Yeah. But when it comes to matters of faith, how much more important than that? How much more important is ma- are matters of faith than, than whether I like your music or not? You know, you know what? I, we can have this conversation and you can hate me afterward. But if we don't have it, you will have it with God. Mm-hmm. And it'll be too late at that point. I'm just trying to help you here. There's a, in my feast book, there's a section called uh, Your House is on Fire. You know, it's like you, you don't like how I'm knocking on the door, I'm breaking the glass, I'm doing all these, I'm upsetting the missus. Your house is on fire, man. I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> so, how many times Jesus looks at, at, at his disciples and think, oh, and, and, and the words are because stu- they're stupid, dull-minded. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not very bright. They're not smart. I'm not talking about bread. You know, they, we, we, just did, we just did this. And he's punking them. He's definitely punking them the second time with the feeding yeah. of the 4,000. So, Philip, wonder, <laughs> wonder how we could feed all these people. It's like this is right <laughs> after the 5,000. It's like, I know, you can, I, know you, I know you can do this thing. Right. <laughs> 
But it's it's this aspect of we 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 so do not want to cooperate. And so because we won't cooperate and because we won't align ourselves, what happens to us is it's literally our own fault. There's nothing he can do. He's not going to override. He's not he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. Mm-hmm. You know, he might frustrate all your ways, frustrate all your plans to get you to come and break yourself on the rock of his salvation of his son. But it's there's there's that verse in Ephesians you can't taste this and then reject it and come back to it you know it's like mm. it's it's for keeps man it's it's really serious stuff and it's completely spiritual and I think that's the aspect that they we 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 that's the aspect that's the you know if Christianity has done anything wrong it's that they didn't warn you what you were actually getting involved with when you got saved because they don't know themselves either. But right. you're basically you know, when you come to salvation, you're basically signing up to fight a war, not only inter- internally but externally, and not only you but your wife, your children, your friends, your family, facts, you know, your loved ones, and and it's all play and and this war is all played out in this spiritual realm. And and in order to fight in that spiritual realm, you're going to have to learn how that spiritual realm works what it looks like what what's an angel what's a demon what's light what's dark what's the lord what's you what's your flesh what's your spirit how often does the new testament talk about us living and walking out in the spirit you can't do this thing without that right but all day long christianity doesn't function in that realm because they don't know you like i like i said in this in this thing i just read Pastors can't teach you this because they, they can't teach you what they don't know. So Christianity is pretty much screwed because what's coming down the pipe. I, I, I spoke this I spoke this word two years ago. <gasps> what's coming is ancient, but we don't have to fear it because we serve the ancient of days. But I promise you, what's coming is stinking ancient. It's been here a long time. It's done this before. We're not the first set of, of humans. We're not the first crop they've tried to inundate. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this has happened multiple times. That's it. I I keep wondering about that. Why do you say that? Why do I say that? Why do you believe that? Well, because we've seen we've so we there every ancient civilization has ancient writings of of the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. Of the watchers, mm-hmm. of the flood, and of a cosmic freaking space war, right, right, where nuclear type of weaponry was used. This has happened before. This isn't new, you know. And I think that has a lot to do with. Uh, I think that I think that that's uh, helps with that whole Genesis gap theory concept. You know, they 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 hurt themselves. And why? Do, and and and, they, and we find monoliths because I think they were trying to recreate this civilization that they all had and once loved and once knew. Right. And, and God didn't allow it, or he's not allowing it. I don't necessarily think, I, I have no problem with the ancient astronaut theory concept either. Hmm. Because if they did have this, where did they have it before? You know? Right. And they're just trying to recreate it, but they're not allowed to because we're here. Yeah. And he, he's, he's, we're not, God's trying to keep the species of man, Terrans, from being subjected to this stuff that's been happening or hap- or can happen or does happen 
that and then of course that begs the question well why would he allow that i don't know i know why i know why he allows it here on earth because we didn't cooperate and we allowed sin in we broke the covenant right we 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 we, we ate from the tree we weren't supposed to eat from and so that brought that that now diminished us into a realm of of stuff that we didn't we weren't supposed to know about or get involved with and we brought it upon ourselves but he has a way the passover lamb slain before the foundation of the earth absolutely he had a contingency plan but people don't like the exclusivity of jesus and the christian jesus isn't jesus at all it's just weird thing right i mean you know they, uh, Joseph, when Joseph's brother came to get food, it says that he revealed that he was their, his Hebrew, their Hebrew brother. And what the reveal in the Hebrew is he showed him that he was circumcised because Joseph looked like an Egyptian. He walked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. He dressed. He had the makeup, the clothing. He was second Pharaoh. Yeah. I never thought of I never thought of that verse of of Joseph, you know, pulling open his trench coat and being yeah. a flasher. But yeah, that makes he a lot of sense. I am your brother. I'm, I'm I'm your circumcised brother. Yeah. Well, we wow. Gentile Jesus to such a degree, right? What does Paul say? We're supposed to provoke. So two things. One, Paul says we're supposed to provoke Israel to salvation. Mm -hmm. And two, we're supposed that that whole end of the Gentile age of the Gentile is 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 for Israel's salvation. So you're saying we're supposed to provoke Israel's salvation and not blame them for every single problem that's ever right. happened? Yeah, we're supposed to provoke them to salvation, but yeah. instead we've done the exact opposite. We're grafted into the olive tree of Israel. Yeah, yes. Right? They support the root, mm -hmm. Paul says. All of this is in Romans, right? We've done the exact opposite, and we've made Jesus into such a Gentile that based on the Torah, the, the Torah itself, they can't receive Jesus. Jesus is a pork-eating Gentile. They That's can't. What I meant. We've misrepresented their brother mm -hmm. Jesus to them. Yeah. yeah. I meant to ask you earlier, so you were saying about pigs and DNA and possibly being a human hybrid, which I think tracks medically because I've... Tracks with a lot of stuff we've looked into. <laughs> I've definitely heard that just from a medical standpoint, eating pork is not super good just because of how close it is DNA wise to human DNA and that there's some protein stuff going on. that's a little bit weird and icky, but why in the new Testament does God say it's okay to eat this now? It doesn't, it never says that. I'd like for you to show me that. That the, 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 the is it is it Peter with the it sheet? It was Peter, right? It's Peter. Take this it's, and eat. It's Peter, Acts ten. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. It never says that. It Here's doesn't exactly, say. Uh, pull out your Bible. Okay. Okay. I will. Hebrew, uh, Acts ten. You ready? Acts ten. Okay. And I'll pull it up too, just because I'm going to be. Okay, nice. Let's do it. Because I like you, and I'm going to be nice about it. <laughs> no, I, I I appreciate it. I'm here to. I would love to learn. I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> All right, I can pull it up on screen real quick. Peter's vision. Okay, I was right. It was Peter. Yes, it's Peter. Okay, I'm gonna. It's, if it, is it okay if I just read through this? Uh, yes. What version are you reading? Uh, ESV. Is that all right? Oh, yes. Oh, here we okay. go. Oh, my book's on ESV. I, I prefer the ESV. Um, okay, Peter's vision. He's go ahead and read it, and I'll and I'll and I'll and I'll interject as you read. Okay. Is that right? Start. Yes, yeah. please. Starting in verse nine. The next day, as they were on their journey, and no, 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 no. This, mm -hmm. Go to verse one. Good. Okay. You got it. Got it. At Caesarea, 
There was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Yep. He's a, a, he's a centurion of the Italian regiment. Huh. I think I'm a getting some man. echo, so I'm going to pull this down and I'll bring it back up. I got to fix okay. something, but keep, keep going. A devout man who feared God with all his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Okay, so Cornelius, this Roman centurion, is known as a just, uh, he's a righteous Gentile. He's mm -hmm. keeping the Torah. Mm -hmm. How do we okay. know? He's a devout man who fears God. Mm -hmm. He gives alms generously to the people, to the Jewish poor, is actually other translations, and he okay. prays continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God came in come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Think about that. Yeah. This guy's acts of charity and his prayers are a memorial before God. This is a Roman centurion. Yeah. Wow. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Yep, he's, they, they're calling for Peter because he obviously isn't doesn't know about Jesus. He doesn't know the mm -hmm. Jesus piece. He only knows the Torah piece. Okay, but yeah. Look at how, but that's getting, that's, that's, Jesus himself said, you have the law and the prophets, you're not going to believe a man. You know, if you're not obeying the law and the prophets, you're not going to believe somebody that rises from the dead. Right. Right. Okay, go on. Okay. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. Wait, wait, let's stop right there for a second. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's lunchtime. Mm -hmm. He's hungry. He goes up to the rooftop to pray while they're making his lunch. Yeah. So there's, there's, that's, now we know why he's going to get the vision that he's getting. Right. It's lunchtime. He's hungry. They're making his lunch. And while they're making his lunch, this happens. Yeah. Okay. In this sheet that descends, in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. All kinds, right? Right, because reptiles you can't eat, so that automatically right. tells us that it's unclean. Right. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inqu inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called okay, out this, to ask. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is important. Yeah. Verse 17. The vision is, has ended, mm -hmm. and he's perplexed. He yeah. doesn't have an interpretation. He doesn't have an understanding. He's confused. Yeah. He's perplexed. And now... There's Gentiles knocking at the door. Yes, and asking for him, and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, see, the spirit, he's, he's pondering the vision. Yeah. 
So if you work in the in the prophetic and visions and stuff like that, uh-huh. he's pondering the vision. He's trying to get an interpretation, understanding. He still hasn't figured it out yet. Yeah. Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you were looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. How far should I go? We're not done. Okay. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and they had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. I didn't remember that part. Wow. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I, too, am a man. And he talked with him. He went in and found many persons gathered, and he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me. But God has shown me. Oh. I got it. I got where you're going a few verses ago, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I never thought of it that way. Here's the interpretation of the vision. So we get the vision. He ponders. We get the interpretation right away, and it has nothing to do with food. Nope. Verse huh. seventeen and verse nineteen, he doesn't have interpretation. Verse twenty. Right here, I should it. call. I should not call any person common or unclean. Same so exact words that God used. The same exact words the Holy Spirit used when it came to the uh, the vision. Oh, that's crazy! Because now the holy the the, the Gentiles but are coming this into is, this. This is about twenty five years after Jesus. This is also what you were talking about earlier. Where, where oftentimes in the modern Christian church we get a verse. Yeah. Yeah. Out of context. No context. So if you if you literally hear the if you literally hear God brings down reptiles in front of Peter and says, Don't call it unclean. If that's all you hear, Peter, there's no other interpretation. That's all we, that's all right. Rise, kill, and eat. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so what happens, if you keep reading, what happens is these guys get the Holy Spirit like they got in the upper room. And then Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's pretty pretty intense. Can I push on this a little bit? Push. The way that I was taught it, and I'm willing for it to be wrong, is that he was given a vision about food in because that it was these lunchtime things, and he was hungry. Yeah. Lunchtime and he was hungry. These things kill and eat. It's not unclean anymore. I have called it clean now. And then his application when he meets the Gentiles is if the food is clean, the people certainly are. No, because he doesn't say that. He only says, God has shown me that I should not call any person. He's talking specifically mm-hmm. about humans, common or unclean. Huh. Because contextually, if, if, if this was about food, then the, then the prophets were wrong. And then Jesus in Mark 7 is wrong. Is See, he wrong or has something changed? But, but what's changed? We have DNA. we have two chapters telling <laughs> us what is considered food for human consumption. Mm-hmm. And then what isn't considered food for human consumption. Has so it- when Mark 7, when Jesus calls all food clean, what definition of food is Jesus using? What definition of food is being used in the New Testament? 
Deuteronomy and Leviticus. What God said was considered food for humans. Hmm. It's Christians that have rewritten everything. Yeah. These guys, these guys can only reference the Old Testament. Mm. Yeah. I so my my wondering I'm I'm definitely willing to be wrong. Um it would be a major shift for me to it to it change this. But my wondering is if the DNA from whatever harm was done back when these things were made unclean has we know that things come out of the have DNA over time, right? Nephilim DNA has relaxed out over time. Um, is it possible that whatever was wrong in the DNA that made these things unclean has changed by this point? And so the, the command no longer need apply. But where does it say that? <coughs> Kill and eat. No, he's talking about people. Kill and eat them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. No, you're I, I'm, about- I'm, I'm definitely willing to see it, but that's the way I was I was taught it, and I'm sure. struggling to change. Right. But the, these way are, to but see the it. same people that taught you that also taught you a bunch of other stuff that's not true. That's that's true. Right. <clears throat> I I love bacon. <laughs> I love bacon. I like ham. I I like shrimp cocktail with cocktail sauce. Yeah. Uh, I don't eat any of those things because my Bible tells me not to. In the same way, I'm, I'm sexually moral. I'm going to eat biblically clean because okay. he tells me not. He tells he tells us to what to do and what not to do as okay. his people. That's why I keep Leviticus 23 in the feasts. They're not Jewish holidays. No, they're 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 um, prophetic rehearsals for his people. Okay. Now. I would, I would, I would agree with you regarding this being clean. Uh, food is all food is uh, acceptable, except we have two verses where he doesn't understand what's going on, and then we have the answer in verse twenty-eight. That's fair. I can, I can definitely see. I can and definitely see it. We can't, we can't read Isaiah fifty-two about the prophecies about Jesus. And disqualify any of the other prophecies in Isaiah regarding the millennium, the millennium sure, reign. Sure. And he flat out says, if you eat pork, swine, you will not be allowed up to Mount Zion to, to worship Messiah. I mean, we can't pick and choose. That's fair. And you're, you're right in that the abomination of desolation, which is traditionally understood to be a, a pig in the holy place, right? Yeah, we don't know if that's what it's, it is. They, the reason why that's traditionally what happened is because of what happened with the Maccabees. With right. Maccabees, and, uh, yeah. And, and Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. My question has been, if these things are not unclean anymore, why would that be a big deal? Right, but then, but here's the thing. Why, okay, now, convince me why they're not unclean anymore. What happened for them not to be unclean? My my only because I like it. <laughs> no, because bacon is delicious. Sir, I, I definitely haven't taken that. So originally, before I had any understanding of Nephilim and and DNA manipulation, m- my thought had been they didn't know how to prepare it. 
it was important that they survived in the wilderness. And so these laws were given for a season to keep them alive, to keep the diseases out. And once they reached a point in technology and history where they could properly cook these things and not die from them, then it was like, okay, you guys can eat all this stuff now. Well, okay. Well, and with the same reasoning, uh, sexual morality, I can have uh, porn. I can do cyber sex. It's not the same thing as sex, so it's okay. I d I'm not sure it's the same reasoning because if you can cook something enough to kill the bacteria in it and, and completely right, eliminate Right, but I'm not harm, actually having sex. It's fake sex. But it doesn't eliminate the harm, does it? Well, what harm? Well, I could go on and on about the harm of porn, but I don't know if we really <laughs> want to you know do that saying? right now. But you know, I mean, I, why is my argument? Why why is my position on? Why is my example not legit? With I mean, because to suggest that that that's the only reason why pork was is 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 considered unclean and not ed, not mm -hmm. for human consumption was because they couldn't cook it properly, and now science and modern age. I can I can I can sure, attribute sure. science of modern age to to sexual immorality. Well, I would like legitimately I do want to keep this conversation <laughs> going. There's people asking questions in the okay. chat. I think this would be a great time to end the audio portion and then we can a, uh, answer some questions and kind of see what people are saying and and uh do all that. So, I just want to say again, Alan, this has been fantastic. It's been a really wonderful episode. Yes. We've really enjoyed I've talking to you and learning learning a lot from we you. We should do it again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, real quick, where can people find you if they want to look you up? Uh, well, we've got chameleonchurch.com. Mm -hmm. And if you go forward slash chameleonchurch forward slash live, they can, that's, that'll, that'll give you a listing of all our live streams during, during the week. Um, and there's, we have about two dozen interviews and teachings on, on YouTube. There's links, links to all that there. Like you said earlier, the books are available at Acacia Grove Press. Mm -hmm. And the music is available. At, uh, if you want digital music, you can get it at Bandcamp. Then it's a faceless, um, faceless gen recording company. Or just look up any of the bands on Bandcamp, and it'll take you to, that, to our whole label roster there on uh, Bandcamp. Awesome. Awesome. So real quick, guys, uh, we've asked you guys to submit five-star reviews, and you guys have, have came through, so we like to read those out and shout those out. We have two new ones this week. We have one from RMAC1991 that says, if being unhinged is wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> PJ and Abby do a fantastic job of sharing an informative and entertaining show. So thank you so much, RMAC. And then we have one from Youngblood503 says, you need to watch Conspiracy Pill. This podcast is full of so much amazing truth blended with the reality that has been set uh, Upon us through the generation of history, PJ and Abby bring a new spin on conspiracy and show uh, how any and all can see the truth hiding in plain sight. If you enjoy well-researched, fun, interesting, and interactive content, this is the show for you. They're on a mission for the Lord Jesus and deserve all of your support. Thank you, Conspiracy Pill, for doing what the hard work that you do that not all can do. So thank you guys so much for that. You guys are amazing. And I will say this again. If you guys uh, submit a five-star review and reach out to us through email, we will send you a code to get a discount at our store. Uh, and we've got some really, really cool t-shirts over there you can get. My favorite one still is I want to believe want to the platypi are real. Uh, th they don't sound real. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Real quick, uh, if you guys want to check out some of Alan's music, we're going to play a little bit of a scattered few. And then if you're an audio listener, you guys can go to conspiracypill.locals.com if you want the full audio podcast, which includes 
all the extra stuff where we chat with the Rumble uh, audience and, and everything. Uh, and you can support us there and get extra unhinged content. We're doing another unhinged show tomorrow night. It's going to be pushed back till like eight o'clock because I'm going to be on Frida's show tomorrow at seven. So we'll put all the information, in telegram and discord and all of that. But appreciate you guys play out with uh, some music from scattered few, one of Alan's old bands.